Man, listen, I, I am uh, amazed at uh, how God takes you in different directions. You know, uh, give me a, can y'all hear me good? Can y'all hear me good? Everybody just give me a nod if you can hear me good. Amen. Uh, so I, I was going to read uh, one scripture, but I think I'm going to go in a different direction um, and then kind of set us up for this morning. Amen. Uh, let, me, let me read something for y'all in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 verse 1 and 2 and it says this Timothy my dear son be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others let me read the first part of of verse 1. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you. Y'all may be seated. Um, what I love about this passage is um, this is not Paul's biological son. Y'all with me? It's not his biological son. It's not his natural son. Um, his, his natural father was a Greek man. Okay? Y'all with me so far? All right. And what Paul does, he steps in, he fills the gap where his father had a void. His father was Greek, and in the context, that's very important because he was not a believer. So he could not teach Timothy how to live out the Jewish converted faith. Y'all follow me? All right. So here he is. He steps in to Timothy's life and shows him how to be a man. And then he tells him, listen, what you have learned from me, I want you to teach other folk. Isn't that amazing? Um, earlier, my brother was saying, man, we're a father to so many folks who are not our kids, especially being in the school system. And what I love about Paul is he would constantly say in different passages, Mike, to my dear son, to my dear son. And I don't know about y'all, but as a man, we need to be reaffirmed by other men. To my dear son, to my dear son. That, that's some power in, power in that. And then he tells them what to lean into. Grace. Not into your natural ability. Not into how cute you think you are. Not how much people like you. Grace that will make you strong. That comes from God in Christ Jesus. Amen. So it's important for me to have a brother today that represents that. I think he is a Paul. Uh, I'm sure he's also can relate to being a Timothy at times as well. Uh, but this morning, I want to have with us uh, several reasons. One, as my brother, I love him. Uh, you know, I, I think he's just a ride or die dude. He's genuine. Uh, he's been authentic uh, ever since I've known him. Uh, if you talk about him crossways, he might not get to you fast enough. I get to you. Uh, but, just, but, but just a real man. And today, I want us to talk about what does it look like to redeem masculinity or redeem manhood especially being a black man that's important right yeah. redeeming masculinity redeeming fatherhood so having a black man that represented that but then the other thing is man he is in law enforcement and i think we need to build bridges between the church and law enforcement we need to build bridges especially in urban communities to let people know that not everybody in law enforcement looks like the folk you see on CNN. Ain't that right? 
that there's some folk who are committed to the Lord, committed to the community, committed to their families. So that's another reason. And then he's my bruh. So, you know, he's a, he's a brother of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, Beta Zai Chapter, Lamorno on College, Memphis, Tennessee. So that means a whole lot to me as well. So I want to bring up here Brother Damaris Jones, and we're just going to have a conversation. Amen. <laughs> we're just, we just going to have a conversation this morning and let y'all be nosy and listen in. And then before you know it, it it'll be over, man. So if you good to see you too, man. Appreciate good it. Good to see you. Um, good to see you. So, man, if you would. Uh, man, just, just, man, tell us what you do, how long you've been doing it. Uh, if you're married, if you got kids, stuff I already know, but you know, you right, could let right. them folks know who are listening on podcasts and watching and for everybody in here. All right. Uh, again, I'm Demarius uh, Jones. Uh, I am married. Been married to this wonderful woman here for Ow. the past 18 years. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. We just celebrated 18 uh, on That's June the 12th. Come on now. Um, a father of two amazing kids a 16 year old son and a 12 year old mm. 30 year old daughter <laughs> she's 12 but yeah, she yeah, acts 30. Yeah. depend on what day it is they, no every day okay <laughs> every day from the time she wakes up she's 30 years old um and i, I love her to death i love her to death um i've been a police officer like he said for the past been on the job for 20 years uh how old are you I am 39. That's 39. Big. So I came on at the age of 19 uh, as a PST. Um, and from there. You remember them folk? Yeah, in the, in, the, in the brown uniforms. <laughs> thought we was the police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Slow down. Right, right. Don't got no lights, no hey. power. But it's okay. We thought we did. <laughs> um, and I went to college. We had to have college at that time and finished up and came back as a police officer mm -hmm. in 2006 um, as a full-fledged police officer. Okay. And from there, went to different units, uh, worked the precinct level, uh, actually worked um, in so many capacities. I mean, I don't even have to name them, a lot of them, but from OCU to OCU the Organized for Crime Unit, um, worked there, worked on the task force we do traffic enforcement and different enforcements within the precinct. Worked at Mount Moriah, each precinct, mm -hmm. for many of you, uh, for many years. Uh, worked as a detective, and then, thank God, in 2021, 2021, I got promoted to the rank of sergeant. So, uh, moving on up in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And moving out, because yeah. I got 25 Come years on. for retirement, so I'm at 20, so y'all can do the math on that. I'm on my way Come out on, the door. Man. And so, leaving right. Right, know? right. Um, so let's talk about being a detective. Okay. Um, they don't know what you had to do. All right. Or what you do. Right. You know. Um, and it was important that him, especially being a dad. Right. Um, explain them kind of what, what you did. Okay. So what, what I did and what I do now. Yeah. So me being a detective and me being a sergeant, it was it's the same. It's just different ranking structures, but it's pretty much the same. Still get the investigation. There you go. <laughs> so when a crime is committed, um, we get the report. Oh, we what type of crime? Any crime from anything. When I was in GIB, anything from, with exception of sex crimes and homicide. When I was a detective. Now that I'm a sergeant, I work in sex crimes. So we deal with any sexual assaults, uh, stalkings, anything like that. We investigate it. So when a report comes in. Um, we have to deal with those reports. And I'm on the adult side, and we deal with kids from age 13 
and older. So the age of consent in Tennessee is 13. So we investigate crimes involving children um, from the age of 13 and above. And how has that, and this goes into what we were mm -hmm. going to talk about, how has that impacted you as a father? Um, and then how have you seen it impacted fathers? But how has it impacted you? Because that's, that's a lot to take in over the, over the years. It is. It's, it's, as a father, it's made me more aware, right? It made me, it's made me more aware of people and what's going on around us and to make sure that we're watching our children, make sure that we keep an eye on our children, uh, vet the people that we're dealing with, vet them, make sure that when you're letting your children stay over somebody's house, go out with somebody, that you get to know that parent, you get to know those children as well. Um, because believe it or not, we have a lot of... You can, man, come on. Say it's it, a say lot it. of stuff going on in Memphis when it comes down to our children. Um, and it's coming from not just these predators walking down with the trench coats on and the white vans. Um, they're in the households. They're uncles. They're cousins. They're pastors. They're other police officers. They're, you know, so you got to vet these people. You have to watch out. And as a father, uh, and I know my wife gets on me a lot about it, and I know she thinks, boy, I mean, because going to the store at night, sending our kids places, and I'm like, where they going, who they going with, how long they going to be there. Um, I'm just not comfortable with just letting them go, right? So um, I have to know. So as a father, it has impacted me a lot because of what I see and what I've had to deal with and hearing the horror stories and hearing, the, seeing the fear of not only the child that has been impacted or the person that has been impacted, but the parents as well. Seeing the father and the mother broken because they feel like, what should I have done? You know, in many cases, in a lot of cases, there's nothing that you could have done to see it. You know, but I tell people, sometimes you take that extra step, that extra look when you're sending your kids off to make sure that you do some research. You know, my son knows when he says, Dad, I want to go here. All right, send me the address. Right? And when he sends me the address, I look up the address and, and, he, and he could do more than look it up. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find out what's there and who's there, right? So, um, and everybody can do that. It's just not for us, right? As police officers, everybody. Google is your best friend. You know, just Google the area. You can Google crime in that area. Um, so I do that. And a lot of people say, well, that's because you're the police. No, nah, it's because I've seen a lot. And as many of us who've been through a lot of things, we learn from what we see. We learn from the mistakes we've made. We learn from the mistakes of others. So it's not about paranoia. I tell people, mm -hmm. don't be paranoid to live in this world, but be cautious and be aware. Paranoia and awareness is totally different, mm -hmm. you know? So being aware and making sure you know what you're going, where your kids are going and who they're with, it's your duty. It's your obligation. It's your job. That's the way you protect our children. So, so you talked about being more more careful, right? And so, you know, I'm, I got a little Baptist in me, so I, right. I ain't shouting. I can do alliterations. <laughs> <laughs> so, my next C would be compassion. So, Psalm sixty-eight, verse five, uh, it says in the Psalm that that God will be a father to the fatherless. Yes. So, where has this profession uh, increased your compassion, my Lord, as a father? All so right. it made you more careful as a father. Right. How does it increase your compassion for a father as a father? It it 
yeah, I knew you was gonna do this to me today. So I told, I told I said we might mess around be up here crying. Y'all gonna right, be nosy just right. watching. But this is the thing. Um and and before you called me or when you called me and told me about it and then you you know, we talked about it a little bit, uh, I started thinking about and I don't know if I'm jumping ahead of getting to the impact of fathers. Do your thing. I, I told him we're going to do us. Yeah, y'all just, yeah, y'all yeah. just being those. The impact of fathers that I've seen and having the compassion for not only just the fathers, but the children, right? So in investigations, I see a lot. I see a lot of guys that do, they come to me at their worst, right? They've committed a crime or been accused of a crime. Most, most of the guys, most of the men, most of the young men, most of the kids that come before me are lacking something. Um, most of the fathers are lacking something. Most of the fathers that I come in contact with, bro, the first thing out of their mouths when, whether it's a theft or a robbery or something like that, man, I got kids. That's their first statement to me, right? And some say, I know that don't mean nothing to you, bro. No, it means a lot to me. So when we're dealing with compassion, that's what it is. I have compassion for it because I understand it, right? Um, they say, man, I got kids. And that's usually what leads them in these particular, you know, uh, ways of doing what they feel that they have to do to survive and provide for their children. So we like to look at these guys as, criminals we want to label them as thugs and criminals and things of that nature and a lot of these guys the majority of these guys are not just that there are people that stuck between a rock and a hard place and we all have been there yeah, we all have been in these particular situations it was the difference in us and them are the choices that we made yeah, yeah, yeah. some of us teetered on those choices mm. we struggle with those choices they made them you know, because they felt there was no other way, right? So on this job, I tell my new investigators that come around, because I've been doing this for a while, even though I just got promoted, I've been doing this long enough, and I tell them, the first way for you to, before you go in an interview room, you need to check yourself at the door. Check your ego at the door, and understand who you're dealing with is a person and not an animal, right? So you have to have compassion for those people. They used to joke with me, and I got an award at home uh, that says, uh, and on the sixth hour, they confessed. Um, and they joke with me, and they say, man, these guys come in there, and man, we look at the, the camera, and you in there hugging these guys, and you know, you praying with these guys. Man, Jones, that's good, man. So how do you do it? They thought this was a trick, right? This was a technique that I was using in order to get these guys to tell me what has happened. But it wasn't a technique. It wasn't a trick. It was I got to know them, and I understood where they was coming from. They understood me, and they recognized. What they say, real recognize real? So they recognized the type of guy that I was. And at the end of all of it, it was, hey, bro, I know what you've done, but that don't define you. It doesn't define you. God has a bigger purpose for your life. You got to find it. This is not your end. And I told many of them on their way to jail, this ain't your end. Come on, man. This doesn't have to be your end. That's hope right there. That's real so, hope. So, and it's our job to do that, right? As police officers, when we're in these positions, because we have this unique ability to be able to connect to folks in this area. So when we're connecting with them, 
we should give them something when they leave because my hope is always this. Once you come through my door, you don't come back through it. Once your name come across my desk, that's the last time it comes across my desk. So having compassion is the biggest part of the job, right? It's having that compassion. And I try to be that way at home as well, right? Um, so I don't carry my work home, but what I do carry is the same compassion that I deal with mm. other people. <laughs> um, to his point, I try to be as authentic as I can be. So who you see me... When you see me in the streets, you see me in my office, and when you see me at home, you see the same person. I don't put on anything different. I don't act any different. This is just who I am. And that's the easiest way for me to, you know, to be who I am, to serve out God's purpose for my life, and also to affect the lives of other people. So me, compassion me, is big. So we got, I told y'all we're going to do these alliterations, right? <laughs> All right. So the first one was helped you be more careful in your right. profession. The next one is it's given you more compassion. Right. Um, how has it changed? There goes another C. Y'all mm -hmm. like that, right? Y'all <laughs> like it. How has it changed the way you parent? Not just um, I'm being careful, mm -hmm. but how has it changed your character of parenting? Great question. Because uh, you are a Christian. Yes. And you don't turn it on and off. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's changed it in a way, especially with dealing with my son and my daughter. Because when you see broken people and you ask them why they're broken or you ask them what's going on with them, and a lot of it, you hear a lot of people say, well, I didn't have this or I don't have that. Um, I didn't have my father. Um, I didn't have a mother. I didn't have a family structure. I don't have anybody. Uh, or my family struggled with this. So when it comes down to, or my father worked a lot. My father worked a lot. He was a good dad, but he was never there, right? Uh, we never the did anything. These are the stories that you hear. Right. These are the stories that I hear constantly from people. So how does that affect me personally when I'm dealing with my children? I have to constantly remind myself to be present, right? To be present in their lives. Uh, my son is 16. Again, two years, he's gone. He's off to college, prayerfully. Um, he's done. He's doing great now. He's a straight A student at uh, middle college, um, so he's doing great. He wants to be a doctor, so we're pushing him in that area. But the thing is, I wanted to make sure that I'm present in his life because the lack, whether it's at me out here working every day, me out here trying to get the money for him, right, to provide for them. Uh, for me to be this structured guy to make sure you don't go here and go there. No, I need to be present. I need to have conversations with him. I need to see what's going on in his head. I need to let him know what's going on in mine. I have to share my heart with my son and my daughter. You know, my, my own quirks, my own problems, my own shortcomings. I share with my kids, right? Um, I apologize to my son if I'm wrong. And, you know, sometimes I fuss at something. Who moved my stuff? DJ, I know you did that. No, sir, I didn't. Then come to find out my wife moved it. So guess what? I got to go back to Junior and say, man, you know what? I apologize. I'm sorry. Right? So it has changed me in those ways to where when I see the impact of the lack of a father or of these, that attention, uh, it's impacted me in such a way that I make sure that I'm conscious, that I'm there, I'm present, and I make sure my kids know my heart. They know what I need for them to know. One of the things me and my son do on the way to school every morning is we read the scripture. And he at first was tired of that. He, 
get in the car, half sleep. Y'all know how I go in the morning. Hard to wake up. Um, he's reading the scripture like he's whispering to God. Um, but we do that, and then we have a conversation about it. We have a conversation about that scripture, what it means to him. What is that scripture saying? We go through different little Bible plans and things of that nature. And we talk about real life. We talk about me growing up, the things that I've went through. And I'm sure we're going to get into the father aspect for me, um, what I lacked, you know, and what I hope to provide for him. So this job has impacted my life totally. But I feel like in a positive way for me to help more people and, of course, inside of my own home. So uh, sticking with the C's, right? Yeah, I ain't think I can do it. I can do it. Uh, for me, it's important when I'm walking with, with brothers and men and even my daughter, mm -hmm. I want them to see my, my cuts, mm -hmm. um, but also my celebrations. Yeah. Y'all like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's see one thing. On out. Come see on, man. We're we gonna see. We're gonna see. <laughs> <laughs> see walk through that. Yeah. And uh, one thing with with with, with Paul mm -hmm. is when he said that uh, in Second Timothy two one and two, he talks about man what you have heard of me and seen from me in the presence of many witnesses. Um, there's a Greek word that means para. P a r a means you did this beside me. Mm -hmm. So everything that you experienced, you did it beside me, mm -hmm. right? Um, I didn't meet my biological father until 2006. Okay, that was a cut, mm -hmm. um, and I've been able to talk about that with my with my um, my daughter. But the celebration is that 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 Amir's biological father stepped into my life. Mm -hmm. You see that? Mm -hmm. So where there is a cut, there's also celebration. a celebration. That's it. You feel what I'm saying? Um, that was a painful place, yeah. right? Yeah. I remember watching Antoine Fisher. Antoine Fisher, the movie, they stole a scene from the Fresh Prince and they used it in their movie. Yeah. And the scene from the Fresh Prince was where his dad was coming to see him, but then faked out on him. And he cried with Uncle Phil and said, why he don't want me? Mm -hmm. Antoine Fisher had the same line in right. the bathroom with Denzel Washington. Why he don't want me? Right. And Laura, we were dating at the time. I broke down. That was the first time I lost it about my dad. Yeah. And I saw him that one time in 2006 with my daughter. Yeah. And we've talked two times on the phone my whole life. Wow. The first time I called him, he kind of somewhat acted like it was okay. Yeah. That second time I called him, he acted like he didn't know who I was. Wow. That's a cut. Yeah. yeah. So it's very important for me to step in. Right? Yeah. Uh, how important has it been for you to, to share the cuts in your life with your, with your kids along with the celebrations? My Lord. All right. So, let, yeah, let's let, watch the yeah, wheel. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm going to keep myself together. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. I told you. My kids may be watching. <laughs> they need but no, it. Right. <laughs> but that, oh, yeah, those, uh, how important it is to express those, the cuts. So, so, just the, the wounds, basically. Right. The wounds in many of our families, I think, run deep, right? Um, especially as men. We don't like dealing with them. We don't like talking about them. We don't like addressing them. We feel like being a man is that we don't hurt, right? We gotta be tough all the time. And as a man, I know that ain't true. Come on. So when I see the tough guys, <laughs> I see the brokenness in them uh, because of myself, right? I see myself in a lot of guys. I grew up without my biological father. I found out who he was. I tell the story all the time is that um, it was one Christmas, I think I was about six years old. And my mom, I might have been about eight. My mom came to me and we was laying in bed and she said, um, you know, that guy who walks up and down the street and stops and talks to you at the fence. 
And I was like, yeah, who that junkie dude? She said, don't call him that. It's your dad. Mm-hmm. Right? So from there, I still remember the story. I mean, I remember the events. I remember laying in bed. I remember being right there by the window. Now at 39, I still can see this as vividly as the day it happened. Uh, and her telling me this um, about who my father was. And from there on, I recognized and I realized that he was on drugs. He was uh, strung out on uh, crack cocaine. And so, you know, I started to want that relationship. When I saw him, I ran up, hey, you know, speaking to him. Now, as I got older, things started to change a little bit, right? I became embarrassed of him. Uh, But thank God he peeked into my future before I was here. And he placed me with my grandfather who was the example, the epitome of what a real man is, what a real father is, right? My grandfather never- What was it say his name, Demir? Willie B. Jones Sr. Um, I called him Granddaddy Book. I don't know where Book came from, but- He was a bootleg in Mississippi. He he might was, because he was a hustling man. Every morning, he got up at 6 a.m. and he was out the house till seven o'clock. And he was there like clockwork. Uh, and I saw that, right? So I, I saw him being a man providing, taking care of me, you know, um, making sure that everything was taken care of. Me personally, my granddaddy never, I can never remember, and he may have said this, but I've never remembered my granddaddy saying to me, I love you, ever, ever. But can't nobody in this room on earth dead or alive, tell me that he didn't. I felt it. So it kind of shaped me in the way that I deal with things and a a lot of my ways I think I get from him, right? I try to be conscious to make sure my kids know that I love you. I say that word every single day. Um, I give them kisses. I still kiss my son. I kiss my daughter on the forehead. Um, But even though my granddaddy never said it, he showed it. So I grew up, I'd rather show you who I am then tell you who I am, right? That became a characteristic of a man to me. A man shows you himself. He don't just tell you who he is. I don't have to tell you I'm a man. I know who I am. And when you get to know me, you're going to recognize who I am, right? Uh, So in sharing my cuts and my celebration, I had to tell my son that, right? You know, when my dad finally started coming back around, he loves, my kids love that grandfather. You know, even with his sicknesses and his illness, he still struggles with. They love him to death. And uh, I had to share with him my pain of not having him there, you know, because he asked me the question. So that was a hard conversation to have, you know, uh, that, no, your granddad wasn't in my life like that. I don't know him like you know him, right? But that's okay because God gave me my granddad. God gave me my uncle, uh, Warren Jones. Shout out to him. Warren J's Wings. Just a little cut for y'all. Uh, he'd be on Watkins on Saturdays from North, 1 to 5. North Memphis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Warren Jones. That You know, I, I tell him all the time. I t- uh, text him this morning and told him, thank you for being the epitome of what a real man's supposed to be. And for my example. And for loving me when you didn't have to. Right? Uh, he stepped in that position. After my granddaddy passed away right before um, I graduated high school, one of the hardest parts of my life. And I shared that with my son. Um, I was going through that transitional phase, right? He's going into it. He's 16. 
So sharing these cuts, like I went through the transitional phase of of pushing back, right? Um, cussing my teachers out in school, uh, acting a fool in school. Um, my mama always tell you, I my son ain't never gave me no problems. I thank him for keeping my secrets. <laughs> but I gave her some, and I know I did. But, you know, of course, I never went to jail. I never got locked up and stuff like that. And that's what she's praising God for. But getting them suspension calls and getting them calls from the teachers, she got them. So I share that with my son. I share him who I was, right? Uh, but then I tell him, like you said, I celebrate the fact that God, in the midst of not allowing me to be with my father, he gave me, I want to call them replacements, but he gave me something instead, right? He gave me my uncles and my grandfather who was those examples. So that's how I teach my children to celebrate the, the difficulties, right? And I, I tell my son all the time, life is going to be hard. Life is going to give you what it's going to give you. Um, and it's not always fair. It's not always what you want. But I promise you, what thing that I've learned out of 39 years, and I pray God continue to show me, is that even though you may not have certain things, right, God is still going to provide you what you need. Got two more C's. Next, this next C is Christ. All right. Out of those men, who showed you Christ? And then, right. I, and then the, ne the next C will be the last one. All right. Well, again, Willoughby Jones Sr. showed me Christ. Um, the running joke is my granddaddy believed if he saw me today and we were in church, he would make me leave and go home and change clothes. <laughs> we talked about that last, last week. I came to church one Sunday. My mom let me come to church and I forgot what I had. I think I had some jeans on or something. And granddad always sat in the back of the church in the corner. And when he saw me come in the door, he said, where you going? So I'm going, <laughs> coming to church. We, 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 you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you no, you're not. <laughs> Told my mama, take him home and put on the right clothes. Mm. So my mama, we left like her daddy told her to do. <laughs> brought me back with a shirt and tie and slacks on. Mm. You know, um, because he says his whole thing was when you come before God, come with your best, right? Mm. That was his mentality, right? And I don't knock him for that. I understood where he was coming from. Sometimes we have to understand some of the information we get may be misguided, yeah. but it's not absolutely wrong. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's not absolutely wrong. Uh, he was a little misguided in his thought about God. He put God in his box. Mm. But the point was he brought me to him. Mm. He wanted me to be there. Right. Come on. Boy. He wanted me to stay there and he wanted me when I came before God, have the reverence of God yeah, right. in such a way that you present yourself in your clothes and your yeah. being. For, for y'all who are listening, I just slapped on his leg. Y'all didn't see. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, you know, for your being, I want you to represent, you know, and uh, also to represent him. Mm. So he taught me to represent Christ when I came to church, represent his household as well. He didn't want to sit up there in his suit looking nice and me walking through here with jeans and the T-shirt on, you know. Uh, that was his thing. And, you know, I think because of his love for Christ, I've never seen my granddad miss a Sunday. Uh, and Lord knows he'd be disappointing me in some of these Sundays. But I've never seen him miss a Sunday. Never, I mean, sick, raining, the lights out at the church, granddad was still there. 
turning other people around. Well, yeah, pastor say we ain't going to have church day. But he was there, mm. right, to the last person left. That's what my representation of Christ. And, and, of course, my mom led me there, right? My mom brought me and raised me up in the church, so I'm a child of the church. Uh, but as far as fathers is concerned, my granddaddy was the first example um, of that Christly man, right, that I looked at and I had to fear God for him. He was 6'3", big brawny man, right? And he wasn't big uh, as far as like my size, but he was like a muscular. He looked like Vinny, you know what I'm saying? You know, I remember him holding his arms up like this and he hanging on him, you know what I'm saying? Uh, thought he was unbreakable, you know what I mean? Um, so... With that example mm. that he gave me uh, of Christ, that example that he gave me of just manhood, bro. Come on. I just, I can't shake it. It shaped who I am. Uh, I think my wife fell in love with that man mm. because of that. Sometimes it irritates her in the same way. <laughs> um, but she going to be okay. I guess after 18 years, she's stuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, I in told it. her, if you want to leave, I'm coming with you. So, <laughs> you know, you make the choice. Yeah. You know, you can leave. That's fine. We, where are we going? You know, uh, you a miss. So you know, it's, it's you know, uh, he was the example for me. He was the example. Last one, closure. Mm -hmm. um, so that that book that I read out of Second Timothy, that was Paul's last will and testament, if you will. So he was writing this book, this last letter. It was the last one he would write from prison. He was about to be executed, mm -hmm. and if you read it, you'll see um, in chapter uh, uh, six four. He says, the time of my departure is at hand. Mm -hmm. um, I was with some men down in um, the Gulf of Alabama, and I said, man, what do you want your legacy to be? My Lord. I said, when you die. And one guy was like, man, why are you talking about mortality? You're so young. I said, because God wants us to die well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Moses didn't start his ministry until he was 80 years old. Yeah. So I'm talking about it now, right? Yeah. Um, Two of my convictions I stand on is honor my word yes. and honor my time. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to elaborate on those. But what 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 is the legacy you want to be left? You want to be you want to leave here uh, with as a as a black father? I put that on there emphasis, black father. And then I'm gonna pray us out. All right. But the legacy you want left here. The legacy that I want left, uh, that I want my 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 kids to carry on, my family to remember, is one that I love Christ, right? I love God, right? Uh, my love for God, I want to make sure they understand that. I want to leave that behind, that if nothing else, my dad loved God. Mm. Also, I want them to remember the strength, right? My strength, even in my weakness, because I show it to them. Like I said, I share my weakness, but I show them my perseverance through that, right? Uh, I don't hide tears from my kids. Um, I will shed a tear, but dad's still going to stand. Mm -hmm. Dad may fall, but dad going to get back up, yeah. right? Um, I tell my son all the time, integrity is what leads a man, right? Like you said, your word means everything. Integrity is a big part of manhood to me. Mm -hmm. uh, being able to stand up and be the person that you are in front of people and when them on, doors man. close. When ain't nobody else watching you, be that same person. So 
I want my son and my, my legacy to be that. I want them to see the compassion that I have for people, the love that I have for people. Um, I want them to experience that. Um, and also, it's important for me, for my son and my daughter, to recognize what type of husband I am, mm. right? For an example, for him to be a husband, and an example for my daughter to see what the husband really looks like, right? Um, they don't hear us fighting. They never seen me strike their mother. They never heard me call her out her name. She never heard it either. Uh, <laughs> I got that. I got it. I got it. I, I, we get it. No, just joking. <laughs> my my bro might she tripping, bro. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Uh, but I want them to, to see that, right? <laughs> To see their representation um, and also respect, right? Mm -hmm. I carry myself with respect. My dad, my son said to me once before, Dad, I don't know if I could be the man like you. Uh, I don't know if I can be a man like you. When you go to places, like, people notice you, right? And it's not because I'm better than anybody else. But wherever I go, I belong, right? Um, when I walk in here, I'm amongst my people. Yeah. I belong here. If I walked in a group that wasn't my color yeah. and I'm there, I belong there, right? So I want my son to walk with confidence, right? And I want him to see that confidence. And sometimes we don't always have it, right? We talked about not showing full body because people, you know, the, their feelings about themselves. But you walk with confidence. You hold your head up even when you don't feel like it, you know, and that's what men do. Uh, we fight hard. Um, we love hard. Um, and we live out our lives in such a way that it's an example for other men to follow, other young men to look up, and for women to look at and say and be willing to represent who you are, right? Uh, so many fathers out there, I mean, so many women out there, I've been watching on Facebook, and they, you know, going through the motion today um, of talking about their children's father. Uh, but then they end with, but there are still good fathers out there. And I thank God for those good fathers, right? Even though my baby dad ain't. Well, this is the thing that I tell men. Keep being the man you are. Don't worry about what other people say about you because folks are watching. Men, women, children alike are watching you. We are the example. So when you talk about taking masculinity back, understand that we have a responsibility as men. We have a responsibility to walk tall to speak loud, to hold our shoulders back and our heads high so that the world can see that, right? Is that this, this whole notion of over-masculinity stuff that they want to run with, throw that out your head. Yeah. As real men, we stand, we talk, we speak loud, but we speak loud not to invoke fear, right? right? We don't speak loud to invoke fear but with that loud voice, there's compassion there. They say God spoke in a loud voice. Was it to cause fear? It wasn't to cause fear. You know, it shows the compassion, right? So let us be that example. We don't have to follow the world and what these trends are nowadays, the hoochie daddy shorts and, you know. It's foolishness. I want somebody uh, to hear that. Foolishness. You know, yeah. uh, all of this and that you have to, dumb yourself down in order to be a man, right? You have to speak quieter, 
right? Because people are intimidated by it. Let them be. Yeah. That's fine. I think I'm a very, you know, big guy and I talk loud, but my wife is not afraid of me. I promise you she ain't. If you hear some of the stuff, she is no way afraid of me. And I speak loud sometimes, you know, when I'm asking for my son to do something, my daughter to do something. Even for when I'm like, baby, did you? You know, yeah, yeah watch your tone. Yeah, I got you. You know, uh, but be that man, be that example. You know, uh, leave that legacy uh, of strength, mm. of integrity, of power, and again, of the love of God. So, yeah. Man, I appreciate your time, brother. No uh, problem. This was a good conversation, man. Uh, let's go ahead and pray, and we'll go into communion, man. Thank you so much, man. I love you, boy. I love you too, brother. Uh, let me pray for you first. Uh, God, thank you for my brother. I ask that you would um, allow him to walk with that integrity. I ask yes. that you bless his household, bless his kids. Um, I speak healing into his household. You know yes, what God. the physical issue is yes. um, and things that are going on. I ask that you would work those out. Um, any kind of medical bills and issues there as well, yes. Lord God. Um, be with him, Lord God, and just uh, him and his wife as they lead their kids well, Lord God. Now, Lord, I thank you for being with us this, this morning during this conversation. And, Lord God, I ask that you would uh, continue to walk with us as we take the elements and represent you. In Jesus' name, amen. 